Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I guess my vacation wore poor Brad out because he's taken a couple of days off. But that's okay. Even though we will miss him, I have been missing Cam because I missed all your substitutions for me because I wasn't here. So now I get a little a little Cam for myself. Cam, of course, Cam Harless from the We Are The Mad Ones podcast. How are you, Cam? I am doing all right. It's it's funny because I did it with you for a couple of days and I did it with Brad for two weeks. I feel like doing it just with you is like making up time so that you my time with you is equal to Brad's. So yes, it works well, out. I'll have to put you through your paces. I'll have to keep you really <laughs> on your toes and see if see if it's more exhausting to work with me than it is to work with Brad. But that's okay because we have some fun things coming up. If you can make it. To the DPP uh, tomorrow night, the Despairing Patron Party. That's for all party-level patrons. I also might have another guest appearance uh, from Fat Mitch. I don't know if you remember Fat Mitch. He's uh, elusive, rarely seen on camera, but he might be there too. So we'll see. Fat Thor and Fat Mitch on the DPP tomorrow <laughs> night. And um, we're also going to have a Zoom party that you're invited to September 18th, if I can get people signed on for the things that I'm interested in, which is people who have lived off the grid or have, I don't even know what it's called, de-documented themselves, depersoned themselves. You familiar with this? I mean, I, I've, I know people who have intentionally not told the government that they have kids, but I've never known someone who's de-documented themselves. So that's, that's any of that. If you know a couple of people who, and, and this goes out to everybody listening, whether you're a patron or not, if you fit the bill of someone who's lived off the grid or has de-documented themselves, email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. And I'll invite you to the zoom party and then patron saints show up and we, we dish, we get educated, we put excerpts out for the larger audience. Um, it's fun. It's really fun. So hopefully that'll be next Saturday. That's tentative to see if I can get all the people together. I love hearing your little children in the background, Cam. It makes me feel so like, sorry. like there is <laughs> life on earth. And I want to tell you a little bit about an attack on life that is coming out of the Biden administration. But you do you have a little something about the um, Biden administration, what they're up to today as well? Well, they're supposed to have him speak in like a minute from the time that we're recording. And so we haven't officially heard his speech yet, but the AP put out an article called Sweeping New Vaccine Mandates for 100 Million Americans. And I, I read this and I was like, 100 million is too many for them to be just talking about the federal government because allegedly 200 some odd thousand Americans have already been had at least one dose of the vaccine. Um, but what so I, I was reading through this article to make sure that I wasn't crazy. I actually read the sentence three times. But the expansive rules that he's going to be signing by executive order today uh, mandate that all employers with more than 100 workers require them to be vaccinated or test for the virus weekly, affecting about 80 million Americans. Wow, it, he's that, telling private companies that they private are companies. at least test okay yeah and so it's it, and this is on top of you know they, he, they've already said um that they wouldn't give any money to medicare or medicaid uh receivers that work in the the health industry um but they're codifying that in this as well and um 
it's that's a lot of people and that's huge overstep. I mean, they're they're threatening people's wallets. And this is this is on top of um, they're they're tightening it up. Uh, they said in this article as well, they're tightening up the vaccination status and wearing masks on planes. They're going to double the federal fine for not following these rules. And um, the, a lot of the airlines are already adding $200 to each of their employees' paychecks to pay for their health care insurance in order to get them to be vaccinated as well. Wow. And so, I mean, it's amazing. Like the, you pair that with the other article that I saw that, you know, United Airlines uh, who are granted religious exemptions to vaccine mandate are going to be put on unpaid leave until they get the vaccine. So they're not so they're even taking out religious. They're not getting fired. They just can't work there anymore. Right. Oh my God. You can't come in. We and the testing you, you is expensive. So hopefully, I mean, you're just, and some people don't like the test. They think there's something on the swab itself. I don't know about yeah. that. I've never had a test for that. I've in had this an antibody article, test. In this article, it actually does talk about the fact that the Biden administration has put pressure on Amazon, Walmart, and a couple of other big companies to give away the at-home tests for free. Are those so, even remotely accurate? Like, what do they imagine. test for? I mean, like, <laughs> how do they magic. match a, a, something so tiny? Whatever. I can't Makes get no my sense mind to right. me. So there's other stuff coming out of the Biden administration today that I found interesting and disturbing, and there's a lot to this. So I'm going to try to just take it one step at a time, okay? So you're familiar with this Texas abortion law that passed recently? Did you hear about this? I did. In fact, was I'll just last night we on our show we talked to my mom who uh, helps women who've had abortions kind of find healing, and so that was last night. And we'd planned it two months ago, and so this Texas stuff happening was just like uh, divine timing almost. That's so <laughs> if you want to check that yeah. out, you know well, our that's show the, at the mad, uh, we are the mad ones. Yeah, so um, the mad ones on YouTube. Uh, yeah, we are the mad for listening to it. So I listened once to an inter a, a show on NPR, and it was about people. It was like a call in show for people who had abortions, and yeah. it really it was an abortion because every single person who called in was like, "I could never allow myself to have children." I've really it. It, I just, I've never been the same. Like it was, and they kind of wanted to stop the show, but they were trying to like get people to say like, it was the right decision for me and my family. Right. And there was, it was like the time I did a show on something totally unrelated. And for three hours, I got calls from African-American Atlantans across the political spectrum objecting to reparations. Now I know anytime they tell you reparations are like a, a grassroots thing, no way. They're like, that will just make things way worse. So yeah, when, that's why I loved my show because people would call in and blow up the myths from the propaganda. But okay, so the Texas law is weird in that it it re, it doesn't, in the law, it says that you're not allowed to perform an abortion or whatever for, if you could hear the heartbeat. It's basically after six weeks. And mm -hmm. instead of having it enforced by agents of the state, it empowers regular citizens to basically pursue civil rights lawsuits in civil court, even though they themselves don't have their civil rights violated. 
So they're allowed to. So even when I do my election integrity lawsuit with or um, uh, updates with Garland, who's doing a lawsuit, it, it's like he's suing that his right to vote was diluted. I think it's like a civil rights case, but he has to have standing. I really can't get my mind around how these private individuals are going to have standing against someone else. Maybe they're just considered proxies for the baby. I really don't know what. Mm. But anyway, so because it does not, it doesn't allow the state to enforce it, this, the, the opponents, the pro-choice people cannot sue individuals like the sheriff. Otherwise, they could just go in and name the sheriff as about to violate a woman's civil rights, and then he would be stopped from doing it. But because it, there's you know just millions of citizens, they can't do that. And that's why it wasn't stopped yet. It, they can do lawsuits against it, and certainly like a woman could sue that they're violating her constitutional right. And I think Roe versus Wade was decided wrongly, but to the extent that it is the precedent then I think that they would win that Texas overstepped. And I've always felt that these laws that go so far as to effectively ban abortion or very close to banning abortion are meant to spark an overreaction mm-hmm. that, that the federal, like DOMA, then the Supreme Court said the Defense of Marriage Act is so wrong that we're not allowing even states to regulate marriage like that, which is a 10th Amendment violation. I really feel like this is, Asking the Supreme Court to say a state cannot, although they can, they they previously have broad powers to regulate abortion. I think this will be an opportunity for the Supreme Court, who isn't hearing it at this time for procedural reasons. They will hear it, and and when they hear it, I don't think it will stand up to scrutiny. However, the way it's being approached by the Biden administration, Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice, sued Texas right now and said that law needs to be negated because it is in itself unconstitutional. And I don't know, it was very hard for me to see what they were saying. Were they saying that a judge couldn't hear the civil cases or the law needs to be thrown away? Like, that's a tricky one. And how would the Department of Justice enforce anything? Would they send in a National Guard, the FBI? Like, it's very tricky to have enforcement from the federal government on a state law you know, it's a little yeah. tricky. Like, like, would they send in the National Guard like civil rights desegregating schools? Like, what would what what is their remedy? Some of the things they were talking about is that they would take away federal funding to those states. Anyway, I've got a few more like things that are going to fall out of this. But what's your reaction so far? No, my reaction is hearing you describe the the law as it is. Well, first off, it's good to hear that it's because they like to play it as it's very against the women. So they're like, they're suing the women. That's how the, the media is playing the law. Whereas it's against abortion providers and it's, they can't sue the women. I don't think. Right. Yeah. And so, but that's how the media wants you to think it is. It's attacking the women directly. So the, but I'm struck by how freaking crafty it is. It's very very, crafty. There was a guy, I I think his name might have been John Mitchell, but I could be getting that wrong, where he's like being credited as being Mr. Crafty here. And that the intention was to craft their way out of a constitution, you know, so that they could have an unconstitutional law that couldn't be struck down up front. It is crafty. It is crafty. I I, I don't like it. I can appreciate that, though. I can uh, yeah. appreciate the, the the brain power that goes into it. Yes, it was good. And the fact that it's gotten this far, unless it's a setup and, and under other circumstances, it wouldn't get that far because you normally don't have standing 
And that's important. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't just willy nilly fight other people's lawsuits for them. And two people can't fight the same suit. So whoever files the suit first has dibs on the $10,000 that they're allowed to kind of sue the abortion provider for. It's, it's weird. I don't think it's going to hold yeah. up. Yeah, it probably won't, but still, I, I, I appreciate the craft. That's, that's fascinating. So, so here's the thing. Um, one thing that there's just a couple of flags for me. One thing that Biden said he was going to bring a whole of government solution. Whole of government solution is something you hear a lot now behind the scenes, a lot. Like the clips that Binkley brings us for the Rockfin videos absolutely often say whole of government. And to me, that's a violation of the separation of powers within the branches and top to bottom. So state, municipal, federal, courts, judicial, I mean, um, legislator, executive, like when you do a whole of government thing, I feel like it's, a, it's keeping you from having the kind of checks and balances and recourse that is meant to make, keep our government restrained. Yeah. It sounds like, because uh, I've heard this phrase used before, but I, I want to say that it was Trump that got a lot of that moving rather than Biden. Absolutely. I have that in here. The thing about uh, not giving federal funds to like sanctuary cities and stuff, even at the time, I was like, you can't have that. That's not the way it works. If they can take your tax money, I'd rather them not take the tax money. Let's, you know what I mean? They shouldn't have federal yeah. taxes. I could even like, I got even pulled stuff from the articles of Confederation about how taxation <laughs> works. I mean, I could do this entire show just on the 10 things that fell out of the story. And maybe we should as a little freaking COVID break. But yes, I always thought that Trump set a bunch of precedents that I did not like because he really wasn't a strict constitutionalist at all. Well, I don't think Trump was much of anything except that which the last person said in his ear before he got on stage. Like he had some good um, instincts on some things, but it was like you could tell anytime he made a decision, it was literally the last person he talked to. We were just I lucky think, if it was Rand Paul. <laughs> I think he was the, I think he was the PT Barnum guy. Like it wasn't about what was behind the tent. It was about him getting you inside the tent. Yeah. I mm -hmm. don't even think he knew about what was in the tent. And usually it was by telling you that the other tent was bad. That was yeah. part of like, don't go there, <laughs> go here. So, uh, but here, here's another thing that came out. So the Supreme Court didn't hear this Texas abortion law. And also the Supreme Court didn't hear the case against, where was it, a Portland or I don't, I think maybe Portland or California. There was some state where uh, they, the legislature said federal, state employees can't go to whatever states. I, I know California has laws like this. Like they can't go to states that have laws we don't like. Um, I think right. the most recent one in California was if a law, if they don't have, they don't allow transgender people into girls sports, we can't, our people can't travel to that state. Now, I don't yeah. know why state government workers get paid to travel to other states anyway, except for to foil the will of their own people and defer to practices elsewhere. I don't like it anyway, <laughs> but you know, that's kind of a really competing rights issue. The transgender thing. I mean, to, to take a hard line on that is, you know, just simply, um, it's just so one-sided that if that's yeah. your position, you know, it's like competing rights issues are at the heart of a lot of this stuff. And that's why you really need to have it local. Yeah. And, uh, that was one of the California, I know, like suspended um, state travel to Georgia during their heartbeat ban 
uh, law back in the day. And I know that Texas, they recently threatened Texas. And I heard people, I, I can't tell you how many Texans I heard go, wait, you guys are coming here and now you're going to stop? This is great. <laughs> that would be great. Well, <laughs> it's actually the Texans who should be prohibited from going to those places because that's how Austin got all the homeless people. They went, their officials went to LA and San Francisco to adopt laws that make the homeless crisis here out of control. It's really unreal. I'm not going to get into that whole story, but it ends up that, so, um, so this article I read in the Wall Street Journal is saying that it's called Portlandia versus Texas. Welcome back to life under the Articles of Confederation. As if the Articles of Confederation allowed prohibition of travel and trade among the states, but it absolutely didn't. So I'm going to read you Article 4 of the Articles of Confederation. Is that too nerdy? Oh, no. I The... the... The Constitution was a, a secret coup against the Articles of Confederation. I, I love hearing about them. Absolutely. I totally agree. So Article <laughs> 4 says, The people of each state shall have free ingress and regress to and from any other state and shall enjoy therein all the privileges of trade and commerce, subject to the same duties, impositions, and restrictions as the inhabitants thereof respectively, provided that such restrictions shall not extend so far as to prevent the removal of property imported into any state to any other state of which the owner is an inhabitant, provided also that no imposition duties or restrictions shall be laid by any state on the property of the United States or either of them. So this seems to say to me that you're allowed to move and bring your stuff and all of that. I don't, I don't see any issue at all that this is uh, harkens back to the articles of confederation, but it sounds, yeah. sounds absurd okay. to me because the, yeah. the, if we hearken back to the articles of confederation, we would be freer. Oh, totally. From the yeah, government. no, the Wall Street Journal is a rag. <laughs> but yesterday I talked about an article in the New York Times saying, so the New the Wall Street Journal was saying the Articles of Confederation was too loose. We can't let the states decide things like travel within states. And um, it's outrageous that the Supreme Court didn't strike down these laws at, from the state level that prevented their government officials from going to other states. So they're complaining that the Supreme Court didn't strike down these rights that the states were asserting. And yesterday's article in the New York Times was saying that they, she was seriously object. She wants to federalize everything, everything, everything from abortion to gun rights, to climate control, to vaccines, to everything, because everything basically affects other people and therefore cannot, yeah. she literally said, cannot be left to Republicans. So it's just so hilarious. It's a, it's such tyranny. So, um, it really, so they want, so they, they there's a push from left and right to, to get their way by what I call upsourcing rather than having subsidiarity. And it started, the Republicans did it when they started banning bans on plastic bags. And I was like, Hey, you can't do that. Even Florida, when they're like, we ban private institutions from having these vaccine policies. You can't do that. You can't yeah. do it. It's just a setup. And even if you want to do it because it's worthwhile, it's just a setup. So anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I also wanted to note that travel is a big thing. Like a lot of things are interfering with travel. Travel is being limited for numerous reasons these days. Immigration, terrorism, um, politics in this case, vaccine status, dysregulated travelers. And I noticed that in that case, uh, something, it really reminded me of 
of the Rockefeller Foundation 2010 thing about like how to get technology for scenarios of how to push technology to every level of society, even even under these world-changing events. So everybody talks about lockstep because lockstep was the one that had a pandemic as the change agent. But there were four, and one of them was Hack Attack. And Hack Attack was about cyber. And it was much, much closer to what's happening now. It's not all about pandemic, but it is. Uh, it, it does remind me. So that's another story I want to kind of slide into or on the heels of that um, abortion one. Well, it, it is interesting that there are those two within that uh, kind of frame because they're, they've done both in a sense. They're using, they've used the pandemic and they're also doing a lot of the cyber hacks. It's just, I wonder if they'll hit four for four. That's what, I, that's what I'd be curious to see. Yeah, we'll see. Let me tell you what um, some of the things that were kind of interesting. I went back and revisited this morning, the hack attack thing. Uh, they talked about the things that changed the world. And it said large-scale catastrophes, including those by drought linked to climate change, of course, said that that forced trade-offs. They talked about fires and floods and earthquakes and stuff. And it said, here's a quote, in 2015, the U.S. reallocated a large share of its defense spending to domestic concerns, pulling out of Afghanistan, where the resurgent Taliban seized power once again. (laughs) (laughs) This was written in 2010. I just think it's funny. And then, you know, like everybody knows that was the, the, the plan from the beginning for Afghanistan. Just another little tidbit on that. And then it said also nations raised trade barriers in order to protect their domestic sectors against imports. And in the face of global food and resource shortages, they reduced exports of agricultural products and other commodities. That's so the supply chain interruptions that we're seeing now. So the trade war that Trump ushered in. And I feel like the, they act like these scenarios are totally organic. But they're not. I mean, most of the things in there that they reference from the past or what they expect from the future are things that I've identified as being orchestrated by these people. So I think they kind of choose, they scenario it out to see which path they want to follow, not to be ready necessarily for what comes up. So I think they opted for hack attack where national boundaries it's, it's not so much that national boundaries get strengthened, like all governments get weakened, but I think they decided that like oh, an authoritarian world government with enforcement and taxation and stuff just was taking too long. They've been working on it literally for 100 years. And I think they decided instead to have a de facto like collapse of the system and a, a, and a kind of private government emerge in the form of big philanthropy. And that's what this one talks about. But there are a couple of other things that were just like straight out of this day and age that I want to tell you about. In the context of weak health systems, corruption, and inattention to standards, either within countries or from global bodies like the World Health Organization, tainted vaccines entered the public health system, but paled in comparison to the scandal sparked by mass deaths from a tainted anti-malarial drug. The deaths and scandals sharply affected public confidence in vaccines and parents, not just in Africa, but elsewhere, began to avoid vaccinating their children and child and infant mortality rates rose to levels not seen since the 70s. Now, that would go right along with the population control folks. And I mean, that that isn't far fetched from where we are. Not at all. Um, and then they just said, like, what to watch out for hacks, scams and piracy led to less cross pollination of ideas and more territorialism. 
and innovations uh, receded. Generic drugs took the place of like innovative drugs. You just kind of like got your penicillin and hope for the best. It said there would be gated communities of safe havens surrounded by slums in New York and elsewhere. And I thought that is just so the third worlding of America that I witnessed here in L.A. and first saw in Peru. Maybe it's happening in New York, too, where they have. And even in Atlanta, I saw a little bit of of that. And then it said by 2030, the distinction between developed and developing nations no longer seems descriptive or relevant. So when I see half empty shelves, for the first time ever, I saw trees grown across like stoplights, which can really kill people like that's straight out of the third world. I saw that during COVID here in L.A. So I feel like this is the scenario. I put it in the show notes um, that I think that we're going to probably see. And go ahead. Anything you got to say, you say. It, I was just going to say their their goal is to make us all equal in the worst possible way. Absolutely. Because that's how you have, I always think of the late, great Rosa Quar, who woke me up to the fact that they want, they need everything to be regular and modular almost and easy. You can't control things if there's variability, regional variability, but in order for them to have that kind of evenness and control, they got to downgrade the, the upgraders. Otherwise they got to pay too much. And Allison McDowell says similar stuff like they they're they downgrade the reality and they upgrade the virtual world and they don't have to provide much, but they can still from the productive people can still get a lot of production out of it. And it's just it gets really crazy. But I I always think that's a great one to read that Rockefeller Foundation, especially if you're wondering what's coming. Man, it reminds me of Ready Player One and The Matrix. I haven't seen Ready Player One yet. Should I? It's Steven Spielberg, right? And he just I makes my skin love it. I didn't love it. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't technically recommend anyone watch it or read the book. Right. I couldn't make it through the book because uh, it was just so freaking pompous. But um, just the idea that there are these people that are living in this virtual world, and it, it makes me think of a lot of different things that have played out in popular culture over the last few years, like uh, people doing a video game or whatever, and generating energy for everyone. Like, there's all this sort of stuff that enters the zeitgeist, and it's like. How how soon are we going to see this in reality? Isn't that like the Bill Gates patent for the Gates coin? I think so. Yeah, there, I think there, it yeah, is. there was. Yeah, I remember hearing about that now, and now I'm putting these pieces together. Yeah, it's definitely a blood curdling. So I do have one more story. I have uh, another big story before the end of the free thirty. Uh, I'm going to tell you about some m- more unabashed propaganda to undermine free will and the whole my body, my choice uh, convenience, let's call it convenience argument. I'm going to tell you about that. But after the free 30, we are going to zip to the patron 15, where Cam is going to tell us about a California QAnon believer who did some very bad things, or so they say, we shall see. We shall see. I'm going to tell you a little follow-up from yesterday and the attack on freedom. One of my favorite patrons gave me a little insight into the story about uh, the distinction the New York Times was making about right to life as if it was something other than what we know it to be. And I will also tell you about a Wall Street Journal TikTok study. TikTok is evil. I'm going to tell you more about that 
But first, let me tell you a little bit about the sponsor of today's show, LibertyGear.net. I don't know if people know LibertyGear.net is a website that makes funny and cool things, masks, t-shirts, posters with very clever, sometimes a little edgy expressions that are very suited to today's world. It's a way to reach out to people you don't even know in your community by some clever saying on a t-shirt or like my favorite is the obey mask with just the obey written like they live that great 80s movie <laughs> and people will come up and start talking to you if you have uh, if you have a message there that resonates with them and they know that like hardly anybody it's like when i walk around with my son who has down syndrome anybody who has a kid with down syndrome just walks right up to you and it's like hey man we're in the same club i that's what i feel like when i wear one of these t-shirts from libertygear.net. But what I really love about the our favorite patron there is he will make anything you want. So I make little Christmas presents. I said, I have my son with Down syndrome. He just absolutely goes over the moon. He thinks he's famous if you wear a t-shirt with his face on it. So mm -hmm. of course, like grandma will wear, you know, he's got a little werewolf hunter one where the, our friends at libertygear.net put his little face on it. It's super, super cute, but he just like, oh my, he thinks he's famous. It's actually a little bit of a problem because he's got an ego that's out of control, that kid. But <laughs> if you want to do something fun and funny, now would be the time. It might take a while. So if you think about like fun stuff for Christmas or whatever, and actually for me, like if you, even if, if you wear a t-shirt, you're going to something, uh, an event in your town, tell me, I'll give a shout out to you libertygear.net to your to your event tell me what the t-shirt says and like-minded people can come look for you so that's fun stuff we like to build a community here at the proper point <laughs> and if you like that community and you want to support it support libertygear.net and also support us we have a ton of extra content for patrons and also for Rockfin subscribers. We provide like four hours a month of the deep dives on Rockfin, but we open it up to people like uh, We Are the Mad Ones, Cam Harless and the lovely Jessica. And, uh, but also Sam Tripoli, Jimmy Dore, Whitney Webb, like Jason Burmis, like so many people have stuff on Rockfin. That's great. And we have tons and tons of stuff on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Without further ado, on to the last big story of the Free 30. I'll tell you what that is. Okay, so I got an um, email this morning that says it was from uh, a guy named Kilpatrick, who is a songwriter and the director of a nonprofit organization called Ribbons for Research. And he is the executive producer of a new campaign. He says, clearly, this is a vaccine promotion campaign. He says, clearly, vaccine holdouts aren't receptive to the current top-down science and shame approaches aimed at persuading them to get the jab. So science and shame, we've all seen that. Science and shame, you're killing people. You don't believe in science. So he says, um, we're going to come up with a more heartfelt, emotional, non-preachy, politically neutral approach we believe will resonate and move these groups to take action. I got this email this morning asking me to interview this guy. Ha ha. So uh, it's called the Shoulda Got the Shot campaign. And it features portrayals and testimonials from real people who have been seriously ill or lost a loved one due to COVID-19. Kilpatrick is hoping media outlets lend their support by placing his PSAs into rotation in their local markets. 
guess what I saw five minutes after actually forwarding to a friend of mine, that email, just like, are you kidding me? Uh, so literally, I mean, five minutes, I can go back to the email where I sent forwarded it. And then the email where I forwarded this <laughs> article I saw and it will be, I think it was like a Vox article or a vice article, something like that. And it said the headline was she didn't get a vaccine on her deathbed, she urged TikTok not to repeat her mistake. And this is how it opens. I shouldn't have waited. She also said that since she'd been at the hospital, she'd been hearing the moans and screams of people in pain, the grief of those who had likely lost their loved ones. In her final video, she said uh, she was not against vaccines, but had been taking time to research and wanted to get vaccinated at the same time as her family. That was a decision she came to regret. Quote, I do think it was a mistake. I shouldn't have waited. Even if you are 70% sure that you want the vaccine, go get it. Don't wait. Go get it. Because hopefully if you get it, then you won't end up in the hospital like me. Okay? Now, I used to, my father used to, used to say stuff like that to me when, like, I was kind of slacking on the Catholic thing. And I left the church for a long time. And I went back to the church. I still... uh you know, Pope Francis is not my guy. It's hard for me to think that after I die, I'm still going to remember my own name. But I do. I I practice. I like the religion for a lot of reasons I've talked about before. Um, but my father used to not want you to like think it through. He'd say, "Look, I understand, but you got to obey the rules because you get hit by a bus tomorrow." You know. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, not the day nor the hour, saith the Lord. Death comes like a thief in the night. Like, I'm just, I'm sorry. It would be great if you could like go through your personal spiritual journey, but you're going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. So that's kind of like what she's saying. It's just a very um, fire and brimstone kind of approach. And it's very manipulative. And it really negates the whole concept of free will, in my opinion. And I, I don't think it's going to work. And I, uh, the, you know, because they started with this elitist, like you said, science and shame tactic, and they've pissed off all the people who they're trying to convince now. Interesting, you think? I think so. And well, for, for one, there's this story that came across my feed just before we started talking, where a Tennessee high school student was talking at a um, at the school. And uh, he was talking about how his grandfather died. And he said, because someone wasn't wearing a mask. And then adults in the audience started heckling the child. Wow. And so that, to me, shows me that there are, I'm not saying everyone is going to be to that level or everyone is that angry with how they've been treated over the last year and a half. But it's a hard, it's, that's a, it's a hard road to plow. I don't I don't think we're yeah. we're at a I think that people are unhappy and they're not going to go oh so that obviously we're stupid for a year and a half and now you're going to make it try to make us feel bad I, I don't agree. think it works. Yeah. At this point they are obviously trying to subvert people's own free will and my body my choice by saying you will be exiled from yeah. an interconnected economy you will not be able to work and we're probably going to take your chickens away also. So you're not even going to be able to eat. That's what they're doing. That's where they are. Like, I don't know who they're trying to convince. I mean, maybe they're trying to make people who are being coerced into it 
feel better about it like that I would see because then they will actually do it. But it's really, it's really crazy. I mean, basically this was a question on our Q and a recently. I do think that the vast majority of people who are getting vaccinated right now really don't want to, like you will talk to them as like I had to for my job and they're just like shaken up. Yeah. It's because they, and that's the thing that seems to work. And the thing that seems to be continually working is the, the financial threat the not being able to provide for your kids threat. There, and that, yes. I just, there. I just don't think the, the shame, this is di- the different form of shame. And I, I think people are, uh, people see the manipulation, not all of them. There are going to be a lot of people who are affected by this, but I think that there's going to be a great contingent of people who see through the manipulation at this point. I think they poison the well. And if people have to take it, I, I found a um, website about, like things you can do if you are afraid that the vaccine will hurt your body that can help you kind of keep those side effects, keep those extra effects out, kind of strengthen the resistance of your cells to spike protein and everything. You really have to. So I don't, I don't know. I don't really know, but like, I do know that there are a lot of naturalists out there who have tips about natural health and that may help you stay healthy, even if you think you're putting something in your body that isn't good for it. So, I mean, yeah. if you have to get it, you might want to do a little research. I don't think it's totally hopeless. I don't know. But in my rap, you are not going to believe this. You are not going to believe this. So yesterday I said, hey, it's time for another round of shout outs. I sent out the word on Patreon. The first shout out I got, you are not going to believe this. It said... James from the Blackbird podcast said, I want to shout out Cam Harless for being such a great villain host. <laughs> yes. Thanks, James. <laughs> That's you. That's you, Cam. I, I appreciate that. I bet I bet he'll be surprised by this episode. T- totally freaky, right? And you're talking to somebody who doesn't really believe in coincidences. So cosmic, man. Totally cosmic. So, all right. Now on to the... Patron 15, I don't know, even though I've heard it 250 times, I actually do not know Brad's out. So I'm just going to (laughs) say, have a a fantastic rest of your day. Catch us on patreon.com slash propaganda report.